Well, before we get into our podcast tonight, I thought I'd come on and just say it's that time of year when we'd love to have folks donate to the podcast. We want to keep the Judy Garland and Friends podcast going, and we want to keep the Jack Benny Show OTR podcast going. Those are my two podcasts that I run. We don't have enough money coming in right now to, to justify keeping both of them going, but I have no doubt folks will come through as they always have in the past. If you donate at the just the $1 a month level, if you go to Patreon and just through our site and just donate at the $1 level, you can have access to all of the Judy Garland shows that Mindy has ever done intros to. You can have access to all of the Bing Crosby shows that I've ever done intros to. At the $3 level, you get access to all of the podcasts we've ever done, which is a lot of fun. Uh, at the $4 level, you get access to all of those podcasts that we've ever done, our entire archive of thousands of shows that we've done, plus um, the archive of our source material that is our high-quality copies of, of different shows that you can listen to as well. We give those to you as a bonus just for, for signing up and supporting the podcast. So if you can, support the podcast. It would really help us out. Now, to get to the podcast, to be able to donate, you can either go to judy-garland.podomatic.com and over on the um, right-hand side, there will be a button for Patreon that if you want to donate through Patreon, that'll let you donate at the dollar level. There's also a button that's just PayPal that you can just do a one-time donation for as much as you'd like to donate. Um, over on if you, if you want to donate at the Buck Benny site, you can go to buckbenny.com. And on the right-hand side, there's also uh, lots of ways to donate. I ask if you're going to donate at the $1 level that you do it through Patreon, though, and not through PayPal, just because PayPal takes so much of the money at the $1 level. Anything beyond that, it's fine donating either way. Uh, anyway, thank you for supporting the podca podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And let's get into tonight's shows. Enjoy. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another Triple Stack Thursday. Tonight we have the Jack Benny Show and Phil Harris Show from 1952, November 16th to be exact. Both of them appeared on the same night. In this order, we're going to be presenting them. Following that, we jump back 10 years to grab the 1942 episode from November 15th. And in that episode, it's the second part of the Twink family presentations, and this episode has actress Dorothy L'Amour making a guest appearance on the Jack Benny Show. Dorothy L'Amour, you will know as the actress who was in so many of the road pictures with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. I think you'll really enjoy her appearance with the cast of the Jack Benny Show. They have a lot of fun. All these episodes are great. I've upgraded the sound on two, two of them, both the Jack Benny Show's and uh, I hope you're going to enjoy the difference in sound quality that we're going to see this year versus last time I played them. Without further ado, let's get right into these episodes. Enjoy. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky tastes better. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher. Smoother, lucky, 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 strike me fine tobacco, lucky, strike me fine tobacco, cleaner, fresher, smoother, better get a carton, better get a carton, better get a carton today. Hello, friends, this is Don Wilson. 
You know, that college cheer represents a lot of smoking cheer on campuses all over the country. Yes, indeed. Because a nationwide survey based on actual student interviews in 80 leading colleges reveals that more smokers in these colleges prefer Lucky's than any other cigarette. But that's not all. The survey also shows Lucky's gained far more smokers than the nation's two other principal brands combined. More important still, the reason most often given by students for smoking Lucky's was Lucky's better taste. Yes, Lucky's do taste better because LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, fine, mild, good tasting tobacco. And Lucky's are made better, made round and firm and fully packed to taste cleaner, fresher, smoother. So make your next carton Lucky Strike and you'll agree Lucky's better taste is something to cheer about. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, it's morning in Beverly Hills, and as we look in on the Benny household, we find Jack just entering the kitchen. Hmm. Rochester must have overslept again. I'll go wake him up and have him fix my breakfast. I don't know why it is, but every time I give him a day off, the next morning he oversleeps. It's the second time it's happened this year. <laughs> Oh, well, I might as well let him sleep and fix breakfast myself. Now, let's see, where does Rochester keep the coffee? I'll try this cupboard here. No, it's filled with ideal dog food. <laughs> I'll try this one. No, this one's filled with ideal dog food, too. Maybe it's in this cupboard. Hmm. More ideal dog food. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I'll either have to get a dog or stop mentioning that stuff on my program. <laughs> well, I can't find the coffee. I'll just have to wake Rochester. Rochester, it's time to get up. <laughs> Rochester, Rochester, get up. Hmm. I'll take this feather duster and tickle his chin. <laughs> Honey, you sure got long eyelashes. <laughs> Rochester, get up. Yes, it's me, honey, and I want my breakfast. <laughs> I'll get it. Gosh, boss, I'm sorry you woke me up when you did. I was having the most wonderful dream. I know. I know. You were dreaming about a girl. Yeah, we were going to get married, and you offered me a $50 raise. I offered you a $50 raise? Uh-huh. And just as you were giving it to me, you woke me up. <laughs> oh. That's the third time it's happened. 
I know, I know, you told me. Once I dreamed you were cutting my salary and you let me sleep till four in the afternoon. <laughs> Just a coincidence. Anyway, I, um, I'll answer the door, Roger. You get dressed and make my breakfast. Yes, sir. Hello, Polly. Oh, you're still sulking, huh, Polly? <laughs> coming, coming. Hello, Jack. Oh, Mary, come on in. I was just talking to your neighbors, the Coleman's. Oh, Ronnie and Benita? Yes, and I passed their house. Benita was sweeping the porch, and Ronnie was cleaning the windows. Benita and Ronnie were doing their own housework? Yes, they told me their butler quit. Their butler quit? Why? They said they have to live next to you. He doesn't. <laughs> He'll be back. He's run away before. You know. Oh, hello, Polly. <laughs> Come on, Polly. Speak. Speak. <laughs> Jack, what have you been feeding this bird? <laughs> It wasn't my fault, Mary. She happened to find a can opener. Uh, what? Nothing, nothing. Come in. Oh, hello, Dennis. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Hi, Dennis. What are you doing around here? Oh, I'm thinking of moving. I've been looking at houses all day. Oh, you want to buy a house? Yeah. How much would you take for this one? Oh, don't be silly, Dennis. My house isn't for sale. I know, but if it were for sale, how much would you take? Well, hey, let me see. See, it's in the best part of Beverly Hills. I have an acre of land, 12 rooms, a swimming pool. Oh, I'd ask about $100,000. I wouldn't have this dump if you gave it to me. <laughs> Look, Dennis, I don't want any trouble with you. You asked me how much my house is worth, I told you $100,000. Does the price include the Venetian blinds? Yes. Also, the drapes and the carpets. Anyway, Dennis, what's wrong with the house you're living in now? You just moved in. I know, but it's too inconvenient. Inconvenient? Yeah, in order to get to the bedroom, you have to go through the furnace. <laughs> well, that I, I don't understand at all. Dennis, uh, what kind of a house are you looking for? Oh, a sort of a ranch house. You know, everything on one floor. Uh, how many rooms? Well, I'd like two bedrooms, a den, a living room, and a kitchen. How about a bath? No, thanks. I had one this morning. <laughs> Why do I always get trapped into these things? Mary talks to him. She gets a sensible answer. I ask a sensible question. What do I get? Abbott and Costello. Dennis, are you just looking for a house in Beverly Hills? No, they're so hard to find. I've been looking everywhere. Hollywood, Burbank, Encino, Brentwood, but I haven't been able to find one. Really? So now I'm going to try and find a house in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C.? Dennis, why in the world would you... No, uh, no, no, Mary, no. <laughs> Mary, no. Huh? Look, it's bad enough that he traps me. I'm not going to let him make a fool out of you. Dennis, let me hear the song you're going to do on this week's program. Yes, sir. But, Jack, I want to know why in the world he would go to Washington, D.C. to... Mary, let... please, I'm doing this for your own good. 
sing, Dennis. Okay. Now, don't ask any questions. my song? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, kid. I'm sorry. I I was thinking of something else. Well, I gotta go look for a house now. Goodbye, Mary. Bye. Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Huh? Oh. Oh, goodbye, Dennis. Uh, Jack, what were you thinking about? Well, I, I wanted to ask Dennis. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, oh, I can't stand it anymore. I've got to do it. Dennis! Dennis, come back here. Oh, yes, Mr. Benny? Dennis, what makes you think you can find a house in Washington, D.C.? Eisenhower did. <laughs> Go home! That's me. I couldn't let well enough alone. <laughs> I had to go out next. I was standing here minding my own business. I had to go out. Jack. What? Jack, look, I got to be running along. Too. I couldn't stand. It. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you. Jack. I, I had to run. Right? <laughs> 
what? I've got to be running along, too. Well. <laughs> By the way, don't forget to send a wire congratulating Amos and Andy on their 10,000 broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Imagine, Amos and Andy, their 10,000 broadcast. Say, Mary, have I been, haven't I been on the air that long? No, Jack, it just seems that way. <laughs> well, I had to ask. <laughs> well, Mary, for you... information. There's the phone. Excuse me a minute. Well, I gotta be running along. Okay. Goodbye. Hello? Hi, Jack. Who's this? Bob Crosby. Oh, oh hello, Bob. I, I didn't recognize your voice. What is it? Well, I'm having a few of the boys over for a friendly game of poker tonight, and I thought maybe you'd like to join us. Well, uh, what stakes do you play for? Five and ten. Five and ten? Oh, Edwin, that's a... That's a little too steep for me. Oh, no, no, Jack. Not five and ten dollars, five and ten cents. Well, that's what I thought you meant. <laughs> well, Bob, who's going to be in the game? Huh? Well, just some of the musicians, Jack. We've got Bagby, Fletcher, Remley, Sammy the Drummer, Kimmick, and Arturo Toscanini. <laughs> Arturo Toscanini? Do you mean... Oh, no, this is another one. He slaps a bass for Wingy Manone. <laughs> oh, it confuses everybody. <laughs> well, I should imagine. Huh? Well, how about it, Jack? Could you come on over tonight? Well, I don't know, Bob. I might drop around for some laughs. Oh, you that's know. swell. We'll be playing out by the pool. We'll all be in our swimming trunks. Wait a minute, Bob. Won't the boys be cold and nothing but trunks? Yeah, but they won't play cards with each other wearing anything that has pockets or sleeves. <laughs> You've caught on to these guys already, haven't you? You're not kidding. Well, Bob, maybe I'll drop over even if it's just for laughs. Okay, know? I'll see you later. Bye. So long, Bob. Oh, say, Jack, what goes with Dennis Day? What do you mean? Well, he was over to see me last night. He wants to buy my house. Did he offer you a good price? Yeah, but I turned it down. Why? Well, he wanted me to include my Venetian blinds, drapes, and children. <laughs> what a kid. So long, Bob. Bye, Jack. That kid, Dennis, will drive everybody crazy till he finds a house. Say, boss, I've got your breakfast ready. Uh, bring it in the den. I might sit around for a while and read. Okay. I don't know, these days with radio and television, I haven't been reading very much. A lot of good books here, too. Let's see, here's one, The Spice of Variety, edited by Abel Green. Out of the Blue by John Crosby. He's the radio columnist. Spindletop by James Clark. Oh, here's a new book that just came out. That's What I Like About the South by Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> Here's another, It Takes All Kinds, by Maurice Zolito. Oh, here's, let's see this one. The Cosmic Effects of Nuclear Fission on Psychological Aberrations. Oh, yes, that was given to me for Christmas by Frank Remley. <laughs> let's see, I don't know what book to read. Oh, here's one, The Purple Pirate, 
Gee, that ought to be good. So many pirate pictures out now. Yankee Buccaneer, the Crimson Pirate, the Golden Hawk. I think I'll read this one. The Purple Pirate, Chapter One. My story opens, we had been at sea almost a year. My ship had just captured a rich prize, a schooner homeward bound from the Orient and laden with cargo. We transferred her cargo to our hold and the crew lined the rail and watched as we prepared to send the captured vessel to the bottom. All right, gunners, we're going to sink her. Fire! Sinking fast, Captain. Good. Tell me, Red Robert, did we get much booty? It was a rich haul, Captain. A hundred bolts of silk, fifty barrels of rare spices, ten sacks filled with gold, and four cases of ideal dog food. <laughs> Fine. My supply was running low. That isn't all the loot, sir. We found a small sack of diamonds, some rubies, and best of all, a woman's dress. A woman's dress? What's so wonderful about that? Oh, you ought to see what's in it. You mean we've captured a woman? Yes, sir, and we also captured the captain of that ship. Good. Bring him to me. Aye, aye, sir. In a few minutes, both the captain and the girl were standing before me. I looked them over very carefully for a long time. Finally, I spoke. Which one of you is the captain? <laughs> he is, of course. There was no doubt about it. I'd been away from land too long. <laughs> I stood there, the schooner's gruff captain turned to me and spoke. Are you the captain of these pirates? Yes. Are you responsible for blowing my ship to bits? Yes. Did you make some of my men walk the plank? Yes. Did you hang all the rest of them? Yes. Do you think that was nice? <laughs> no. Well, watch it next time. sent him below, then I turned my attention to the girl. She was wearing a tight skirt, a yellow sweater, and a large button that said, I like Louis the 14th. <laughs> As she stood before me, I remembered the superstition of the sea. A woman aboard a pirate ship is an omen of bad luck. I was in a predicament. Should I keep her aboard and risk mutiny or make her walk the plank? I decided to flip a coin. Head, she stays. Tail, she walks the plank. What is your name, my pretty wench? Marie Antoinette, Crestview 7, 3808. What? If a man answers, it's my sister, babe. I had asked! 
continue talking. And the crew were so happy over the rich prize we had captured, they didn't mind a woman being aboard. And that evening, as we sailed the tropical sea neath the full moon, they even gathered around the quarter deck and began to sing. We're a motley scurvy crew, and the ships we've sunk are many. But the bravest one, it's true, is our gallant Captain Benny. He likes to fight our rumpus, he'll even box the compass. For fun, he likes to dump us in the ocean blue. We like an LSMFT, for it's a favorite smoke at sea. Whose praise a sailor loudly chants, and so do his sisters and his cousins and his aunts. But first he will tear them and compare them, and he'll share them with his sisters and his cousins and his aunts. We would rather have a lucky strike than a solid gold marlin spike. We will stick to luckies and take no chance, and so will our sisters and our cousins and our aunts. We all think luckies are really great, and so does the captain and the boatswain and the mate. We'd rather have them than pieces of bait. So would our uncle and our brother and our mother and our brother and our mother always sing to one another lucky strike. We continued scouring the sea, and then our luck went bad. We sighted no more ships. Our supplies ran low. The men were in a mutinous mood. They became surly and refused to obey orders. And then suddenly, we were attacked by the most ruthless of all French pirates, Dennis Lafitte. <laughs> Red Robert, get the men to their battle station. Aye, aye, sir. Bagby, Remley, Fletcher, Kimmick, man your guns. Hmm. It's no use, Captain. It's no use. The men are revolting. Would you repeat that? The... <laughs> the men are revolting. Robert hadn't been with us long, or he never would have thrown a feed line like that. <laughs> the battle went badly, and we suffered heavy casualties. Finally, to save lives, I decided to surrender. I grabbed a white flag and started to wave it. Hey, give me those back. <laughs> I'm sorry, miss, but this is no time to be doing your laundry. taken prisoner and immediately locked in the dark hold of the ship. For three days, we didn't see our cruel captor. Dennis Lafitte didn't kill his prisoners by making them walk the plank. Oh, no. He was too cruel for that. He would make you stick your head through a hole in the canvas while his crew lined up and threw baseballs at you. This wasn't so bad, but the men behind you with those darts were murdered. <laughs> Finally, on the fourth day, he ordered me and the girl to be brought to him. As we stood trembling before Lafitte, the terror of the seven seas, he said, Nom de cochon, pincel, votre grand père, chien de la panzer, j'ai pour l'homme Paris. Huh? You are in the presence of the great Lafitte. Kneel, you pig. Yes, sir. Good. Now you kneel, too. Yes, sir. Ah, how I love to play the leapfrog. <laughs> <laughs>
What are your plans for us, Lafitte? You had to ask me. For you, mon capitaine, you have the choice of joining me or dying. Well, I'll join you. Do I still retain my rank as captain? Captain. (laughs) You fool, you'll be my slave. A slave? I'd rather die first. You don't know us Englishmen very well. All right, you die. What about the girl? Are you going to kill her? (laughs) You don't know us Frenchmen very well. What? I shall marry the girl and make her the pirate queen. She will be my wife, my sweetheart. And now I kiss her. She'd rather die first. You keep out of this. (laughs) I was in a predicament. Either I became Lafitte's slave or I walked the plank. I didn't know what. I didn't know what to do. There's the door buzzer. Right, door buzzer, right in the most interesting part. I can't even read a book around here. Rochester! Oh, darn it, coming, coming. Middle of a book. Mr. Benny? Yes? I'm from Beacon's Van and Storage Company. We got two truckloads to unload here. Furniture? No, ideal dog food. Well, put it in the swimming pool. The garage is full. Friends, every minute, day and night, a destructive fire starts. And in nine out of ten cases, most fires start because someone was careless. Don't let that someone be you. Be sure your electrical wiring is properly installed. Put cigarettes and matches out before you discard them. Be on guard constantly against fire. Remember, only you can prevent fires. Jack will be back in just a moment. But first... Lucky taste better. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky, 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 lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Better get a carton, better get a carton, better get a carton today. You know, friends, it's only natural for Lucky Smokers to be enthusiastic about the cigarette that tastes so much better. And Luckies do taste better. That's because LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, mild, and naturally good-tasting tobacco. What's more, you enjoy the full flavor of that fine tobacco because Luckies are packed full and firm, made better in every way to taste cleaner, fresher, smoother. No wonder so many college students are voicing their preference for Luckies. Remember, a nationwide survey in 80 leading colleges based on actual student interviews reveals that more smokers in these colleges prefer Lucky's than any other cigarette. And remember that Lucky's gained far more smokers than the nation's two other principal brands combined. But most of all, remember the number one reason the students gave for smoking Lucky's: better taste. So friends, get the better taste that only fine tobacco in a better-made cigarette can give you. Be happy. Go Lucky. 
Make your next carton Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike today. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to congratulate my good friends, Freeman Gosden and Charlie Carell, better known to the entire world as Amos and Andy, who today are celebrating their 10,000th radio broadcast. Man, they must be loaded. <laughs> good night, folks. Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsburg, George Balzer, John Packerberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Now stay tuned for the Amos and Andy Show, which follows immediately on the CBS Radio Network. <laughs> RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents transcribed the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. America has always had some of the keenest business minds in the world. Minds of men like uh, Henry Ford, David Sarnoff, and Bernard Baruch. On the other hand, it also has minds like Phil Harris, and, uh, but more about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. Now, from RCA Victor, world leader in radio, comes a great new achievement in radio. Now, RCA Victor brings you the remarkable tone and sensitive reception of a large radio in a table set only six inches high. This tiny set, RCA Victor's new personal table radio, actually outperforms many larger, costlier sets, offers you the finest listing with the world-famous Golden Throat Tone System. Only RCA Victor could bring you such wonderful performance in such a compact table radio. See and hear this tiny new table model first chance you get. You like the convenience it offers. Since it is personal size, it can fit conveniently on almost any table or shelf. You'll like the beauty of its modern-style cabinet, which makes it an attractive addition to any room, home, or office. And you'll certainly like the low price of this brand-new RCA Victor table radio. It's only $29.95 plus tax, slightly higher in the far west and south. Choose the tiny, dependable personal for yourself or for a wonderful Christmas gift that keeps on giving. See the amazing new personal at your dealers tomorrow. It's RCA Victor's newest and smallest table radio with a famous golden throat. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> Alice and her brother William are discussing a matter of importance, and they've locked themselves in the den to ensure privacy. Even Phil and Elliot have been barred from this conference. Elliot, I, I wonder what Alice and Willie are talking about that could be so secretive. I'm worried. Curly, don't let it bother you. It's probably something very trivial. Like what? Well, like how she can get rid of you without splitting community property. LAUGHTER 
<laughs> Ain't no way she can do that. Besides, Alice is not trying to get rid of me. This thing is driving me nuts. I can't imagine. Well, if it's driving you nuts, go in and ask her. Assert yourself. Don't let her treat you like a child. You're right. No wife is going to treat me like a child. Right. I'm going in. Now, Willie, I think we ought to... Alice, I think it's about time that I told... How many times have I told you not to interrupt when two people are talking? But, Alice... Just for that, you can't see television tonight. (laughs) Oh, gee, honey, Space Patrol is on at seven and... Wait! (laughs) Alice, I want to know what you and Willie are talking about. We're talking business. I'm thinking of investing in a shop. Well, then why are you talking to him? You want business advice? Come to me. I got a good business head. Ha! <laughs> that head of yours hasn't got a brain in it. I've got a lot of brains. And he can prove it. Go ahead, Curly. Shake your head. Let him hear them. <laughs> Look, Alice, if you have an investment to make, why didn't you consult me? Well, let's face it, Phil. You're a wonderful husband, a good father, a fine musician. But when it comes to business, you're a little on the schnook side. (laughs) I don't think that's very respectful. I know just as much as your brother. You do, hmm? Uh, Tell me, Philip, what is your opinion on bonds for a suburban project that's guaranteed by the government? An excellent investment. Why? Because any bourbon that's bonded by the government has got to be good. That's just what I expected Phil, will you please leave us alone? You and Elliot go for a walk until I finish talking to Willie, huh? Oh, very well, very well I know when I'm not wanted Come on, Elliot Mm -hmm. Oh, that woman Someday she's gonna drive me to drink (laughs) Why wait for her? I'll drive you know a place where they serve 10 cent highball. <laughs> What'd they do? Raise their prices to keep the riffraff out? <laughs> now that they're gone, Willie, let's get back to business. I think this antique shop I want to buy is a very good investment. But Alice, why buy an antique shop? You, you don't have the time to run it. I don't intend to. I'm going to let Mother run it. Oh, I see. Uh, Where is the antique shop? It's at 5500 East Main Street Hmm. Wonderful location They gave me their financial statement And I want you to look it over Now you'll notice that last month They did a Ridiculous A man getting chased out of his own house How long does she expect me to stay out here on this lawn? It's a fine thing when a wife won't let her own husband help her with her investments Yeah She's got an investment to make. I could do a better job than Willie. If there was only some way I could find out what she's investing in, then I... I... Hey, Elliot. What? I think there's a way I can find out. How? The den window is open. Shall we tippy-toe up and drop an eaves or two? (laughs) Girl, you're asking me to peep in windows? This is something I draw the line at. I've never done a thing like that, and I will, will not... Will you be quiet? This is important to me. Now, let's walk up to the window... Curly, go... that's not the way to do it. We have to get downwind, 
wiggle up to the window on our stomachs. <laughs> then we stand up camouflaged as a bush. <laughs> and then we're ready to peep, eh, Tom? <laughs> Be quiet, quiet. No noise. Listen. Well, this financial statement looks fine to me, Alice. Well, I told you. It's a wonderful business, and I'm going to buy it. Now, I want you to close the transaction. Here's a signed blank check. See if you can get it for about $800 down. Leave it to me, sis. I'll go right down and see the man. Oh, uh, by the way, what was the address of that store again? 5500 East Main Street. 5500 East Main. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll call you as soon as I close the deal. And don't forget, don't pay more than $800 down. Did you hear that, Curly? She's going to buy a business. Well, never mind that. Willie's got a blank check signed by Alice Fay. <laughs> a man could rule the world. <laughs> Nothing you couldn't buy two of <laughs> Wonder what kind of a business she's buying I don't know But why does she have to send Willie? I could get it for a better price than he could I wish I had that blank check That could be arranged We roll them, huh? <laughs> don't be vulgar Just keep this high class When he comes out of the house You jostle him and I'll pick his pocket Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Do you know how to pick a pocket? That's what I majored in at college. <laughs> Here he comes out the front door. Yeah. Let's just take a little piece of him, but be nonchalant about it. Ready? <clears throat> no two people have ever been so in love as my macaroon and I. And when we kiss. And when we kiss. Well, it's like this. Well, it's like this. It's historical. It's hysterical. Let me tell Why, it. certainly, darling. <laughs> people have ever been What are you so two fellas so happy about, you'd think? <coughs> Philip, your clumsy ox, you almost knocked me over. Well, it's a good thing I was in back of you to catch you. Here, let me straighten you up. Get your hands off of me. Off, off, off. Now, get out of my way. I have an important mission. Goodbye. You get it? What do you think? <laughs> Here's the check. Good. And his watch and his wallet. Leave those here. All right. What should I do with his vest? <laughs> Leave that here, too. Okay. But I'm going to keep his socks. <laughs> I always wanted Argyle. You didn't pick him. You peeled him. <laughs> now, let's get out and buy that business for Alice. Hey, wait a minute. Huh? What was the... Address of the store again? 800 West Main Street. 800 West Main Street. Got it. Yeah. And we shouldn't pay more than $5,500 down. Right. Hey, hmm? let's go down in my car, and while we're riding in the car, we'll turn the radio on and listen to one of my records. What makes you think one of your records will be on the radio? 
Don't ask questions. I've just got a feeling it'll turn out that way. <laughs> Give me some harmony grits and some red sugar cured ham. I want a big bowl of cream gravy And I'd be such a happy man If I can see magnolias blossom And azaleas in bloom Lead me up to the table I want lots of elbow room I want some mammy fried hoe cake And some good old black-eyed peas Give me a hay rack full of hot biscuits And make my coffee black if you please Now if you feed me I'll let Dixie In that style so grand You're gonna have yourself a Happy man, sorghum molasses You're gonna have yourself a Happy man Mmm, pass them hominy grits Then give me some of that Tennessee hickory cured ham Then I want a big iron skillet full of that milk gravy Ouch you got yourself a happy man Cause if I can see magnolias blossom And azaleas in bloom Lead me up to that table Down, Clyde, I want lots of elbow room I want some mammy fried hoe cake And put a lot of lean bacon in them black-eyed peas then give me a hay rack full of hot biscuits And make my coffee black if you please Cause if you feed me all a Dixie In that style so grand You're gonna have yourself a happy man Hogbone and honey You're gonna have yourself a happy man a hush puppy papa You're gonna have yourself a Happy man Wow, this is a pretty crummy neighborhood Why would Alice want to buy a business in a joint like this? I don't think it's a crummy neighborhood You don't? Well, let's look at that building across the street That's the worst-looking rat trap I ever seen That ought to be condemned It has been <laughs> How do you know? I got my eviction notice yesterday <laughs> Look, here's West Main Street Now, look at these numbers There's 794, mm -hmm. 796, mm -hmm. 798 Uh-oh, there it is, 800 so this is the shop Alice wants to buy Hey, she's getting smart This is a real good business Yeah But I wonder why Alice wants to buy a pool room <laughs> Well, let's go in and buy the place Look, wait a minute now Let me handle all the business details I'll get this joint at the right price <laughs> Well 
I did it, Elliot. Here's the bill of sale. Alice is now the proud owner of a pool room. <laughs> hey, you got to admit I drove a shrewd bargain. You sure did, Curly. I know what I'm doing every minute. <laughs> Alice wanted to pay $5,500 down. I got the whole thing for $8,000. <laughs> I really had to talk to that guy into selling, you know. He wasn't too anxious to let it go. Oh, I noticed that. There were tears in his eyes as he grabbed the check, jumped into his helicopter, and took off. <laughs> you think we've been taken, Curly? <laughs> no. Of course not. The guy was very honest. He told me if I wasn't happy with the place, he'd buy it back. He left me his phone number if I want to call him. Maybe I misjudged him. What is his number? Number? Yeah. Well, he wrote it here on this card. Let me see. It's Outer Mongolia 7840. <laughs> I wonder if that's a toll call. <laughs> Curly, I don't like to put a damper on this deal, but we've been here an hour. There haven't been any customers. Yeah, I did notice that, but there might. Gents, you want to play some pool? <laughs> oh, no, thanks. Thanks. Uh. <clears throat> I just bought the place. Uh, I own it. Hey, you must be my new boss. Uh, I managed the jerk. Oh, you're gonna make a fortune here. Yeah, I hope you're right, but I haven't seen anybody playing pool. Nobody ever plays pool in here. Then how am I gonna make a fortune? From your bookie joint in the back. <laughs> well, as long as we got something going, bookie joint. Elliot, did you hear that? Alice is buying a horse room. Why? She probably owns all the others in town and wants to add this one to her string. <laughs> oh, no. I'm married to the queen of the underworld. And she told me she made all her money in pictures. She did. Photo finishes. <laughs> no, no. She told me she made it in the movies. Did you ever see any of her movies? No. They were before my time. <laughs> but Mother saw every one of them. No, this is impossible, Elliot. Alice don't believe in gambling. She didn't know about the bookie joint. I'll guarantee... Hey, look, bud. I want that back room closed up. My wife just wants the pool parlor. You're kidding no, I'm not. This is disgraceful. A shocking state of affairs. Come on, Curly. Let's get out of this horrid place. Yeah. I never knew they had places like this. Elliot, you're walking the wrong way. <laughs> you're going toward the back room. I know. I want to make a bet before you close the place. <laughs> we ain't got time now. You can phone it in. <laughs> Come on, Elliot. We're going home and tell Alice we bought her her pool room. Yeah. yeah. I'll bet she'll be proud of you when you tell her the good deal you made. Yeah. And I got another idea. Excuse I... me, fellas. Could you tell me... Well, if it ain't the schmoes of Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Curly, don't look now, but the Barracuda is in back. <laughs> what are you fellas doing in this part of town? Attending a wino convention? 
Don't be snide. We're here for a very good purpose. What purpose? I just bought my wife a pool room. Oh, that lucky girl! <laughs> this should thrill her no end. She'll be very happy I bought it for her. Naturally, a woman's a fool to be without her own pool room. <laughs> My wife wants this pool room That's understandable This'll make her the envy of the Pasadena women's knitting And keep one foot on the floor, society <laughs> I gotta give you credit for one thing, Mr. Harris You show imagination What do you mean? Most men buy their wives stupid things Like fur coats and diamond rings but not you, Joy Boy. <laughs> All right, now what's wrong with a pool room? Nothing, but you could have bought us something more practical. Practical? Like what? Like an old drawbridge. <laughs> <laughs> or a secondhand ferry slip. <laughs> <laughs> or a used dental floss factory. <laughs> Look, kid, there's nothing wrong with my wife owning a pool room It's a lovely place It's got eight tables, two pinball machines And a bookie joint in the back He bought his wife a bookie joint? Aha, I see it all now It's a plot to get rid of Miss Faye What are you talking about? You'll have the joint raided, she'll be arrested And while she's in Tehachapi, it'll give you time to stay home and look for her money <laughs> I wouldn't do a thing like that And that's a very nasty thing to say It certainly is Besides, it wouldn't do him any good He already looked when Alice was in the hospital having a baby <laughs> Never did find the money, did you, Curly? How could I? She took it with her Never forget her lying there in the hospital bed With a little bundle in each arm <laughs> One pink and one green I think I heard enough Get along Curly, don't let him go, he'll tell the cops Oh, he ain't gonna tell nobody He's crazy about Alice and wouldn't want to get her into any trouble No He's always around Besides, we closed the bedding room. Oh, that's right. Now, let's get home and tell Alice that we got her the pool room. Come on. Hey, Alice. Honey. Hey, where are you? I got great news for you, Alice. Oh, tell me later, Phil. Something terrible has happened. I gave Willie a signed blank check and he lost it. Now, I have to call the bank and stop payment on it. That won't be necessary. <clears throat> The check that Willie lost was found by us. Also, his watch, wallet, vest, and socks. <laughs> oh, thank goodness you found the check. Where is it? Don't get excited, honey. Look, we overheard you telling Willie that you wanted to buy a store, so we took the check and went down and bought the place. And honey, I want to thank you for buying a place like that for little old me. Well, I didn't buy it for you. I bought it for my mother. She's going to run it. <laughs> Your mother? What does the hostess of the farmer's market know about racking up pool balls? <laughs> what are 
pool balls got to do with running an antique shop? Well, everything if she's gonna run a tilt <laughs> Antique shop? I believe that's what the lady said You bought the antique shop at 5500 East Main Street, didn't you? Well, uh, no, 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 we didn't buy that one, uh we bought the uh, antique shop at uh, 800 West Main. It's a much better place. Far superior. Oh, <laughs> Phil, I wish you hadn't bought it. Your business sense is... Oh, well, before I complain, I'd better go look at it. I'll go upstairs and get dressed and be right... No, back. honey, not today. Don't go today. You won't want it. I... Oh, we bought the wrong place. <laughs> now, wait till she gets down and sees it's a pool room. Oh, Elliot, what am I gonna do? I suggest you kill yourself <laughs> In the excitement She might forget about the pool room <laughs> Just slash your Will wrist you cut it out? I... Hey, wait a minute hmm? I got an idea Look, I'll keep Alice here As long as I can Meantime, you go down there And make that pool room Look like an antique shop What? Cover the tables Move in some old furniture And put a lot of old junk around Oh <laughs> Is this the shop you bought? Looks kind of run down. On the outside, yeah. But wait till you see the inside. Come on, let's go in. Hiya, Curly. Hello, Alice. Elliot, what are you doing here? Well, Curly told me to take care of the store until you got here. <laughs> How do you like your new place? Well, it's awfully dismal. And I think the antiques in the other shop were much nicer. Uh, well, Alice, don't be hasty. Why don't you look around the rest of the place? All right, I will. Phil, Phil, you've bought a lot of junk. This furniture is the most broken-down, dilapidated stuff I've ever seen. I resent that. I took this furniture out of my own apartment. <laughs> I think it's lovely. Me too. Some of the nicest driftwood I've ever seen. <laughs> what is it, early Pismo Beach? <laughs> Phil, I've never seen antiques like they have here. What's this big table here with the, with the green cover? Holy smoke, I forgot to cover one of the pool tables. <laughs> well, what is it? Oh, oh, that, uh, that, uh, that's an antique eating table that belonged to Henry VIII. Well, what are these six holes in the sides of the table that look like pockets? Those? Oh, well, uh, oh, well, I can explain that. You can? <laughs> I can't wait to hear this one. Honey, those are bone catchers. <laughs> bone catchers? Bone catchers? Yeah, bone catchers. You see, Henry was a sloppy eater. throw bones over his shoulder so his wife put pockets on the table so he'd have some place to put the bones. If she believes that, you better get yourself a new wife. Phil, Phil, what are you giving me these stories for? That's a pool table. It is? <laughs> oh, you must be mistaken. Of course she is. What would a pool table be doing in a pool room? <laughs> Pay no attention to him, honey You can see it's an antique shop and nothing else Phil Harris, you didn't buy me an antique shop 
I've got a pool room Don't forget your horse room in the back <laughs> When I get my hands on you two Elliot, this is our cue to get out of here Let's go Curly, I'm right with you Open the door I ain't got no time for that Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment But first a change of pace As we hear a new Red Seal record release By RCA Victor Listen Recognize it? It's the classic overture to the Barber of Seville, magnificently recorded by the NBC Symphony Orchestra under the magic baton of Arturo Toscanini. And on this same RCA Victor 45 extended play record, Toscanini conducts a second immortal selection, the Magic Flute Overture. And the wonderful part is this single record with both overtures can be added to your library of great music for only $1.50. Buy it at your RCA Victor dealers tomorrow. And while there, see RCA Victor's new Victrola three-speed attachment. It's the world's easiest playing three-speed record changer. The center's the secret. Slip on the large center spindle and you can play your 45 RPM records automatically. Slip it off and you can play other speed records automatically. See the new Victrola three-speed attachment at your RCA Victor dealers tomorrow. We're a little late, thanks, and good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed was Herb Bygren. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Hey, Alice, what record you got there? My latest RCA Victor hit, Hi Diddle Diddle? Well, no, Phil. It's Frankie Carl's new RCA Victor album of Top Pops. Frankie Carl? What does he sing? Phil. Okay, okay. So he plays the best piano around. Let me see the selections. Auf Wiedersehen, sweetheart. Wish you were here. Say, there are eight big hits. Sure, Phil. And Frankie Call's album of Top Pops is available on all three speeds at RCA Victor Record Dealers. Tonight, here to Lula on Theater Guild on the Air over NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I guess I'm the only one who's going to be saying Jello again for a while. Uh, Jack, um, if you've noticed, at this point in the war years, uh, is no longer sponsored by Jello. He is now sponsored uh, by uh, Grape Nuts Flakes, and it's the same company, but uh, apparently Jello, they weren't. I'm not sure if it's because of the war or whatever, but uh, they were selling as much Jello as they possibly could, and doing more advertising for it wasn't going to help the company at all. 
So they they had him switch to uh, Grape Nuts Flakes, which had no limit to what you could get, and so they could sell a lot of them, so they were trying to sell Grape Nuts Flakes through Jack. So it didn't make a lot of sense for him to say Jello again at the beginning of the program. So starting uh, with the first episode of the Twink family from uh, the last episode we played of Jack's show, he says hello again instead of Jello again. Uh, kind of interesting anyway. And uh, some other changes with the Warriors going on in Jack's show. Uh, you'll notice Mary's character changes somewhat. She becomes more flirtatious and things. She's always um, supposedly dating some of the uh, folks on the different air bases and things that they're visiting uh, to kind of um, stir up the the soldiers and things that are that are watching the show. Also, uh, especially in this episode, you notice Dennis's character changes quite a bit. Um, he's he becomes more of to me what the Kenny Baker character has was on the show. Um, uh, kind of an innocent, um, naive kid, and yet also um, kind of living the dream of every soldier and so forth, uh, of being with the, the cute women and everything and, and things going his way. In this case, um, actress Dorothy Lamore is supposedly the girl he's dating, and, uh, She's on the show, which is really fun to have her on. And uh, solid show uh, all the way around. These You'll notice these war shows as we keep going through them. Um, there's a certain kind of format that the show gets kind of locked into with uh, Mary's um, flirting with the, the, the armed services folks, the... Uh, um, with Jack and Phil making fun of whatever the local kind of pub is for that specific armed services that they're entertaining, it becomes less of a national, uh, entertaining a national audience than it is, there's a, a portion of the show that's just for entertaining those specific troops that they're in front of. Uh, they'll mention uh, the commander of the troops and things and make jokes about that person and so forth. Um, so you start, there's a more of a repetition in some of these shows as we go on, but uh, you'll see that as, as it happens. We, uh, I told you, uh, in one of my other podcasts that we only have a few more weeks left of Phil. Uh, I believe we're, we have three or four more episodes with Phil and then he'll be off in the merchant Marines for a while probably till the end of the summer, I think, because uh, I believe he's off for at least 16 weeks. You know, with uh, supposedly his whole band, I don't know exactly how that works. I'll try and find out more information for you and share that. Anyway, so enjoy Phil in these next few episodes, because we'll be without him for a while. Uh, Rochester continues to do a great job, um, mostly uh, supposedly just phoning in to talk to Jack. He does that a lot during the war years. And um, uh, the skit, um, the Twink family skit is is kind of fun. Um, and you'll, as we go through the, the war years here, uh, you'll, it's kind of neat to hear like yesterday's Bing Crosby 
is such a uh, patriotic show and such a it's almost like a command performance in and of itself and then uh, you have Jack's show um, I, I, and, and Fred's Fred Allen's show that reacts to Jack's Fred's show is interesting right now if you haven't noticed um, you should be listening to the Fred Allen show because his famous Allen's Alley skit where he goes around to all the uh, different characters in Allen's Alley and talks to the different folks, uh, is just in its formation. Uh, you can hear it. It's basically, I mean, it, it basically has Alan's Alley. The last number of episodes have, have sort of had it. It's just not called Alan's Alley. At this point, um, he introduces a news item and then gets commentary from, uh, he, I can't remember what he calls them, people on the street or the average Joe or whatever, but there's, you know... Again, three or four people that will come on and share their insights into whatever news item he's reading. And Falstaff Openshaw will always, um, who's played by, uh, oh, come on, what was in his name? Anyway, the actor that plays Fred Frinstone, his last name is Reed. I'm trying to remember his first name. Anyway, um, uh, Falstaff Openshaw will have a poem about whatever the the uh, item is for that week and his poems have really been entertaining um, I, I I think I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying the Fred Allen shows for the Warriors more than just about any of the other shows because he seems to comment on more things about the war um, certainly the Fear of Begin Molly's uh, mention uh, war issues all the time. Well, I'll, and I'll share more of that uh, next time. W- until next time, I will talk to you later. Have a great week. The Grape Nuts Flakes program, coming to you from the Naval Air Station at Terminal Island, California, and starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Jingle friends entitled Reveille on the Home Front. Four bowls of grape nuts flakes, tempting as can be. Father came downstairs, then there were three. Three bowls of grape nuts flakes, still quite a few. Sister spied her bowl, and then there were two. Two bowls of grape nuts flakes. Hey, this is fun. Brother grabbed his bowl, then there was one. Gee, that's cute. One bowl of grape nuts flakes, sitting all alone. Mother claimed that, and then there were none. Well, <laughs> Yes, that's the way Grape Nuts Flakes disappear when you serve them for breakfast, thanks to that distinctive, malty-rich flavor. Your favorite Grape Nuts flavor in toasty brown flake form. So for a breakfast treat tops for its delicious flavor, make it Grape Nuts Flakes, America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, from the Naval Air Station at Terminal Island, we bring you a former member of the United States Navy. That's right. The first man to shout hooray when John Paul Jones said, I have not yet begun to fight, Jack Benny. 
Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you. Hooray for Fanny! Thank you, thank you, sir. <clears throat> <laughs> Who is that guy? I don't know. <clears throat> uh, hello again. This is Jack Benny coming to you from Terminal Island. Terminal Island meaning a body of land entirely surrounded by fish. <laughs> and Don And Don Don, you're a little wrong on that introduction I wasn't with uh, John Paul Jones That was my grandfather, Popeye Benny Popeye Oh, like Popeye the Sailor, huh? No, no, just plain Popeye He had a head like a halibut <laughs> He was a gay old dog, though Well, was your father in the Navy, too? My dad? No, no, Don. He was a very poor sailor. In fact, he had portholes cut in a bathtub in case he got seasick. <laughs> the old man really suffered, you know. But so much for the nautical bennies. Let's get on with the show. No, no, this is very interesting. Tell me, Jack, you served during the First World War. How did you happen to join the Navy? My hat blew into a recruiting station. <laughs> <laughs> The next thing I knew, I was swabbing decks on the USS Idaho. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Isn't it nice here at Terminal Island? Yes, it is, Mary. There's a fine view of the harbor, very modern barracks, and over there to the west, there are several fish canneries. <laughs> no, uh, no kidding. Fish canneries? Yes. Oh, is that it? I thought it was the program. <laughs> Well, it's not. It's mostly mackerel. <laughs> this program's okay. That reminds me. <laughs> you sure were pretty stupid on the Take It or Leave It show the other night. What do you mean, stupid? I answered nearly everything Phil Baker asked me. Mary's right, Jackson. Oh, did you hear that show, Phil? Yeah, and when you fluffed on that $64 question, you embarrassed me frightfully. <laughs> I... I embarrassed you? Why, certainly. You know, we're associated on the radio, and naturally, when you make a fool of yourself, it's, uh, it's, uh, what's this word here? Derogatory. It's derogatory to me. <laughs> Phil, I'd give a thousand dollars if my tires were as thick as your head. <laughs> anyway, that last question Phil Baker threw at me was plenty tough. What was it, Jack? Well... Uh, Phil Baker asked Jack to name at least 37 composers that try to finish Schubert's Unfinished Symphony. Oh. Ha, ha, ha! Jackson couldn't even name one of them. So what? Could you name one? Yes, I could. Would you like to make a little bet on that? Say 50 bucks? You're darn right I would. Well, go find a sucker. Don't bother me. I, want, I went on that program, I lost the $64, so let's forget it. But, Jack, weren't you rather upset losing all that money? Uh, not right at the moment, Don, but later that night before I went to bed, I noticed a rope around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a close call. Now, let's forget about me and have a band number for all these Navy boys. Oh, by the way, Jack, how come you didn't wear your sailor suit down here today? You told me you were going to. Oh, it slipped my mind, I guess. Slipped your mind nothing. <laughs> tell him what happened. Oh, forget it. No, no. Tell us what happened, Mary. Well, Jack hadn't worn his uniform for about ten years. Oh. So he opened the closet door, made a grab for his sailor suit, and the moths knocked him cold with a coat hanger. <laughs> Somebody's been feeding those moths meat. They couldn't get that tough on wool. 
No, sir. Now, wait a minute, Jackson. That's unbelievable. Moths ain't that vicious. They're not, eh? One big fella zoomed right down on my nose, looked me straight in the eye, and said, I'm looking for Rommel. Which way did he go? <laughs> Now, that, that gives you an idea. All right, Phil, let's have your number. Oh, say, Mr. Benny. Well, hello, Dennis. You're a little late, kid. Well, I couldn't help it. I brought my girlfriend down here on my motorcycle, and she bounced off three times. <laughs> bounced off? It takes time to keep going back for her, you know. <laughs> well, for goodness sake, if your girl kept bouncing off the motorcycle, why didn't you let her put her arm around you? Not me. I don't want to get married. You don't have to get married. Just let her hang on to you. Now, Phil... That's the way things start, brother. <laughs> Dennis. Now, Phil... Say, I'd like to have you meet my new flame, Mr. Benny. She's a little black and blue, but awfully cute. Well, I'll meet her right after the program, kid. Play, Phil. Meet his girl. I can imagine any girl that would go out with Dennis. Believe me. <laughs> my girl now, Mr. Benny? Not now, Dennis. That was a short version of Mr. Five by Five played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And Phil, you handle that swell. In fact, you're a better band leader than Tommy Dorsey, Paul Whiteman, and Andre Costellanitz put together. Jackson, you're pumping oil. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. All right, Don. Dorsey, Whiteman, and Costellanitz. Now go ahead. Oh, Jack, not this year. Please! <laughs> This is a very good commercial. Let's go. Oh, very well. But I'll hate myself in the morning. <laughs> <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, at breakfast time tomorrow, I want you to go into your kitchen and open your cupboard door, see? There's Dorsey. Dorsey. Good, that's Dorsey. Now, Whiteman. That's Whiteman. Don't give it away. This is terrific, folks. Go and on. take out a package of grape nuts flakes. Grape nuts flakes are a whole grain cereal and contain iron, niacin, and Whiteman B1. <laughs> Good old Paul. Now, the last one, Don, Costellanitz. Jack, I will not do it. Don, Costellanitz. Oh, all right. Grape nuts flakes are inexpensive and do not Costellanitz money. <laughs> there. Jack, you can't Kugat to me. Kugat? Now you spoiled it. You spoiled one of the cleverest ideas I ever thought of. <laughs> 
No kidding, Jack. Did you think that up all by yourself? Yes, ma'am. You mean nobody helped you even one teeny bit? No, it was my own little idea. Oh, my coat, fellas. I'm going to let them have it. <laughs> Mary, control yourself. Well, how about it, Mr. Benny? My girl is out in the hall. Do you want to meet her or not? I told you I'd meet her after the show. Oh, Jack, be polite to the kid. All right, all right. I'll meet her. What's your girl's name, Dennis? Dorothy Lemour. Always bringing a... What? Dorothy Lamour? Yeah, she's a nice kid. She won't get in the way, Mr. Benny. <laughs> Dorothy Lamour? Well, bring her in, Dennis. Bring her in. Come on in, Daddy. Well, I'll be darned. It's really her. Say, Dorothy, this is a surprise. Oh, didn't Dennis tell you I was here? Yes, he said his girl, but I, I never dreamed it was you. Gee whiz, Dorothy Lamour. Isn't she cute? She ought to be in pictures. <laughs> oh, for Pete's sake, Dennis, she is in pictures. So am I, but who knows it? <laughs> what a kid. Dorothy, I can't imagine a, a delicate, lovely creature like you riding all the way down here on the back of a motorcycle. Well, women have changed since you were a boy, Jack. <laughs> I know, I, I know, but a motorcycle. Dennis told me you bounced off three times. Four. One time he didn't know it, and I had to cut across the field to catch him. <laughs> Gee, and you're, you're not even out of breath. But Dorothy, here's, one, here's what I can't understand. How do you happen to be going around with Dennis Day, of all people? Well, why not? Dennis is very good-looking, and he has a tremendous amount of savoir-faire. Savoir-faire? What's that? Whatever it is, you could use it. <laughs> is that so? By the way, Dorothy, you know Mary Livingston, don't you? Sure. Hello, Mary. I like your new hairdo. It's very becoming. Thanks, Dottie. I was noticing your hair, too. It's lovely. I worked all morning on mine, and nobody even mentions it. <laughs> well, that's life, Phil. And Dorothy, Dorothy, you know Phil Harris, our band leader. Hiya, Dottie. Hello, Phil. How's Alice? Alice who? Alice Faye, your wife! How is she? Oh, she's fine, Dottie. Thanks. Hmm. <laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. I can't understand it. Dorothy, Dorothy Lemour going with, with Dennis Day. Why, Dorothy, I've asked you a hundred times to go out with me, and nothing ever happens. Well, why don't you put a nickel on the phone sometime? Your carrier pigeon never finds my house. <laughs> That's news to me. I, I know it fouled Hedda Hopper's house because she's wearing the bird on her hat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Say, Dorothy... Uh, Dor I didn't know they would laugh at that. I thought it was just for us, you know? Uh, Dorothy, you, uh... You just finished uh, Road to Morocco with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, didn't you? Yep. We've been on more roads than a Burma shave sign. <laughs> well, Dorothy, how, uh, how do you like working with uh, Bing and Bob? Are they, uh, are they really such cut-ups? 
Yes, but when it comes to S.A., I'll take Dennis. Hmm. S.A., what the heck is that? (laughs) Sex appeal, be happy. (laughs) Now, how about your song, Dennis? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I will now sing Dearly Beloved, and I dedicate it to Miss Dorothy Lamour, who can ride on my motorcycle anytime she wants to. (laughs) Gee, I... I can't get over it. Oh, Dottie, sit here by me, will you, honey? Well, I was going to sit over there with Mary. You sit by me like I asked you to. (laughs) All right, darling, all right. I can't get over it. What's happened? Oh, well, sing, Dennis. Answer the phone, Dottie. I'll answer it. (laughs) What's the matter with you? Hello? Hello, Mr. Bimmy, this is Rochester. <laughs> oh, hello, Rochester, what do you want? Boss, you know that horse you bought last week for $10? <laughs> uh, Leona, what about her? She's crazy, she don't even know she's a horse. <laughs> What are you talking about? Well, I pulled a buggy out of the garage to hitch her up, and then I had to leave for a second. Yes? And when I came back, she was sitting in it. <laughs> Leona was... Leona was sitting in the buggy? Not only that, she's got a mane combed over one eye like Veronica Lake. <laughs> now, Rochester, you get Leona hitched up. I want you to meet me at the Santa Fe bus station when I come in and be on time. You know, a horse and buggy doesn't travel as fast as my Maxwell. Oh, boss, come now. (laughs) Well, it doesn't. Now, get Leona out of that buggy. Yes, but how? It's very simple. Put some oats in her feed bag, put the bag on the ground, and when she jumps out, grab her by the tail. I did grab her by the tail. And what happened? It must be a spare, boss. It comes off. (laughs) You put that tail right back where you found it. Now, Rochester, I'll be home later and see what I can do. Goodbye. Goodbye. You think that for ten bucks I could get a horse with a permanent tail? Sing, Dennis.
gave me a sign. I know that I'll be yours, come shower or shine. So I say, Milly, oh dearly beloved, That was Dearly Beloved, sung by Dennis Day and dedicated to his girl, Dorothy L'Amour. I can't understand it. And now, folks... Did you like it, sweetheart? Oh, yes, it was wonderful. Hmm. I can't understand it. I... I just can't. Oh, Jack, just because you don't know any pretty girls, there's no reason Dennis shouldn't. Wait a minute. I don't know any pretty girls? No, you don't. What about Jinx Beaver Bush? <laughs> What's wrong with her? She's got teeth like a beaver and hair like a bush. Yes. Oh, her teeth don't stick out so far. Go on. She's the only girl I know who can eat corn through a tennis racket. <laughs> that I'd have to see. <laughs> <laughs> now let's um we're nuts, aren't we? Now let's get on with our show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, the Benny, if you like us, tell your friends. If not, the enemy is listening, players. <laughs> we'll present a sequel to the sketch we did last week. Take it, Mr. Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, this week we again return to the little cottage of Mr. and Mrs. Oglethorpe J. Twink. Mrs. Twink is a welder on the night shift at the California Shipbuilding Corporation. And Mr. Twink takes care of their little home. It's no fun either, slaving over a hot stove every day. The time, 7 a.m. Saturday morning. The scene, the Twink Cottage. Curtain, music. Oh, dear. I hope I get these dishes done before Clarabelle gets home. From the shipyard. <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know. Where treetops are gleason and girlies leeson. Well, here are the twins, Joe and Josephine. Hello, Joe. Hello, Dowdy. <laughs> Hello, Josephine. Hello, Daddy. Well, it's a living, Dorothy. <laughs> Quiet. Well, kiddies, your mom will be home from the plant pretty soon and take us all out. It's payday. Oh, are we going to get boiled, Dowdy? No, we're going shopping. I'm a dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like... Uh, help me with these dishes, Joe. Okay. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> well, it's Clarabelle. Hello, dear. Hello, Oglethorpe. Who are these characters? Those are our kids. Joe and Josephine. Oh, yes. Well, it's payday, dear. Give me my allowance. You got your allowance. Yesterday, when I was asleep, you went through my overalls. <laughs> so what? I got a screwdriver, three bolts, and a bag of Bull Durham. 
<laughs> I gotta have money for some clothes, darling. Look how nice Mrs. Leroy next door keeps uh-uh. her husband dressed. Well, I've got a surprise for you, dear. We're all going shopping, and I'm going to buy you everything you need. Oh, goody. Come on, children. Come on, Clarabelle. We're all going downtown. We're all going shopping. We're all going shopping. We're all going shopping. Oh, boy, a new outfit. What are you going to buy me first, Clarabelle? It's up to you. What do you want, dear? Well, I would like to have another pair of shoes. Oh, there's a nice pair, dear. Dr. Crobney's foot girdles. (laughs) And they're only $4.75. Give me the money. Here you are. Uh, wait a minute, Oglethorpe. Yes, dear? Don't you think it'd be much nicer if you took this $4.75 and bought war stamps instead? Stamps for my feet? <laughs> Gee, that wouldn't be... Oh, oh, you mean war stamps. Well, I... I had my heart set on, on new shoes. I'm sorry. You'll just have to make the old ones do. Hmm. Now, what else do you want, dear? Well, I... I could use a new pipe. My old one has so many holes in the stem that every time I puff, it plays I'm a ding-dong daddy from Duma. <laughs> Oh, here's a pipe for $2, dear. Give me the money. Oh, uh, just a minute, Ogle. Hmm. Uh, you don't really need that pipe. Don't you think it'd be better to take the same $2 and invest it in some more war stamps? Yes, darling, but I, I wanted a new pipe. Well, you'll just have to make the old one do. Okay, I, I guess you're right, dear. Come on. Wow, look at that pretty girl modeling lingerie. Isn't she gorgeous? Sorry, Daddy, you'll just have to make the old one do. <laughs> Joe, behave. Mama, I want an ice cream cone. I'll buy you a war stamp. You can lick that. Okay, make it vanilla. (laughs) Now, let's see. What else do I... Where are you going, dear? Oglethorpe, you wait here for me. I'm going to take the twins upstairs and let them look at the toys. Okay, Clarabelle. I'll be right back. Here, hold my purse and don't lose it. All right, dear. Come on, children. Goodbye, Daddy. Goodbye, Dowdy, you old wolf. (laughs) Well... All I can do is wait for him, I guess. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like this. Gee, I've, I've got Clarabelle's purse, and it's, it's full of money. Just like the ones I used to know. Hey, wh- why don't I take this money and, and buy something for myself while, while she's upstairs? Yes, sir, I'll do it. I'll buy everything I want right now. Just a minute, Oglethorpe Twink You're not buying anything for yourself What? Who are you? I am your conscience (laughs) My conscience? Gee, I haven't seen you since the Del Mar racetrack closed Anyway, why do you always come around when, when I want to do something? 
I'm always turning up, just like Eddie Rickenbracker. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Conscience. Clarabelle's making a lot of money, and I don't see why I shouldn't spend it. A lot of people make money now. But if they're not careful how they spend it, we'll have inflation. <laughs> Gee. Gee, I never thought of that. What should I do? See that pretty girl in that booth over there? Yes. That's Dorothy Lemoore. And she's selling war bonds. <laughs> now you go over there and buy one. Okay. Okay. Don't push me. I'll buy a bond. Oh, Miss Lemoore. Miss Lemoore. What can I do for you? I've got $18.75 here, and I'd like to buy a war bond. Here you are. Well, you know, with every war bond I sell today, I'm giving away a great big kiss. <laughs> All right. Give me one. You stay out of this. <laughs> All right, Miss Lemoore. I'm ready for that kiss. Let me have it. Okay, hang on tight. <laughs> Boy, that was wonderful. Give me another one. Another one? You're on the floor now. Well, I want another one. Give me one for my conscience. No, thanks. I'm all in, too. <laughs> what? Oglethorpe, Oglethorpe, what are you doing on the floor? We bought a war bond, dear. Me and my conscience. You know, friends, I'm sure there isn't any wife who willingly sends her husband off to work without a substantial breakfast. Still, a recent checkup at a large western war plant revealed two out of five workers arrive at work without any breakfast at all. The result? Decreased production. Now, that's a brand of sabotage you can prevent by serving your men folks a real man-sized bowl full of delicious, toasty brown grape nut flakes at breakfast. This program was for the entertainment of personnel at the Naval Air Station, Terminal Island, California, and does not constitute an endorsement of this product by the Navy Department. My mom wants a package of grape nut sweet meal, please. Sweet meal tastes well? You bet, for that grape nut sweet meal is rich with the goodness of fresh roasted wheat. And my mom says it's good for you. That's right. Great Nut Sweet Meal is a whole grain hot cereal. And it cooks in three minutes flat. Folks, you'll love tempting hot brown Great Nut Sweet Meal. Buy a package tomorrow. This is the National Broadcasting Company.